Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. My name is Dave Robbins. I'm the youth pastor at Wildwood. I've um, been here much longer than any youth pastor should stay at a church. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I've got seniors in the group that were born when I was was here. <laughs> so um, um, anyway, I'm an old man. I really am. I hit the big five zero a few months ago, so I'm half a century old. Uh, yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And such incredible wisdom is just exudes from me um, at all times. Um, so I've always been mature for my age. So. Um, <laughs> um, I, uh, I have a great wife, Kathy, and uh, I've got four great boys from 13 to 23. And um, so anyway, uh, we, we have some fun at Christmas, the boys, Brandon and Ryan, two middle ones, they go to UCO and they live there but in Edmond, but, but uh, they're home for Christmas. Our oldest son, Sean, is severely autistic and mental retarded, so... Um, he doesn't live with us most of the time, so he's at a home up in Edmond, well taken care of. But um, um, anyway, so I thought I'd give you a peek. Brandon made this video kind of of during the Christmas break, so just kind of an idea of what happens at the Robin's home over Christmas, so go ahead and roll it. So. So, welcome over anytime. <laughs> so, um, another thing about me is I love stories, and um, I, I realized after being a pastor for about 25 years that you know, something's really cool to do is when you read stories in Scripture to kind of really put yourself in the shoes of um, the people that are there that the story's about. And so we're going to do that this morning. So turn to Exodus chapter 34. It's a kind of familiar passage. It's a uh, passage about Moses on Mount Sinai, spending some time with the Lord. But if we really look at it, and this is, this is true with Scripture. Kathy and I were talking about this driving home from one of Zachary's basketball games last night is sometimes there's things in Scripture that are kind of weird, you know, they're kind of, hmm, that's interesting. And this has one of those things in it. Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 27, it says this. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, write down these words. For in accordance with these words, I've made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he, Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. And he did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote in the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came about when Moses was coming down from the mountain, Sinai, with the two tablets of testimony that were in Moses' hands, he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone, of his face, excuse me, shone because of speaking with him. And when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation, and and Moses spoke to them, and afterwards all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. Then it says this interesting verse. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in, um, went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And then he'd come out and he'd speak to the people of Israel's uh, all that had been commanded, and the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses shone. So Moses would replace the veil over his face until he went in to speak with him. So here's kind of the deal. So Moses goes up, he's spending time with the Lord. He gets this Shekinah glory and all this kind of stuff. He is totally unaware of it and don't have any mirrors back then, didn't have a little personal pocket mirror in his purse or handbag. So anyway, he goes and you know, he walks down the mountain and everyone's freaking out. And uh, Moses then makes this odd decision. He decides, I'm gonna put a veil on my face. Now, why I think that's odd is this. If Bruce just decided next week to start wearing a veil all the time, it'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? We'd think, we knew he was weird, but you know, not like that, not in that way. You know what I mean? That's just weird. Why would Moses put a veil on his face? Well, take and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because Paul's going to tell us exactly why Moses put a veil on his face. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, let me tell you the context of this passage in 2 Corinthians. In there, Paul is comparing the old covenant, which is the law given through Moses at Mount Sinai to the new covenant, which is salvation accomplished through Christ's death on the cross. So he's comparing the old covenant to the new covenant. But in this passage, he tells us why Moses started wearing a veil. And just so we can kind of get a running start in the passage, let's start in verse 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says this, having therefore such a hope Again, the context is how great the new covenant is compared to the old covenant. How great salvation through Christ's finished work on the cross is to the old covenant of the law that we're responsible to keep. So he says, having therefore such a hope because we're in the new covenant that that Christ has already paid the price for us. He says, 
We use great boldness in our speech. And then he says this. This is interesting. Verse 13, we are not as Moses who used to put a veil over his face. Now catch this. Why? That the sons of Israel might not look intently at the end of what was fading away. That the sons of Israel might not look intently at the end of what was fading away. Guys, it seems that Moses was somewhat insecure spiritually. And we think, no, 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 not, not Moses. He's an Old Testament saint. But we need to remind ourselves, <laughs> Old Testament saints, it's kind of a tricky business. It's kind of an oxymoron to some extent, just like New Testament saints is kind of an oxymoron. But we'll get there as we finish this morning. But Moses wasn't a perfect man. Moses liked it when he came down and spoke and everyone listened. And they took to heart what he had to say because these were a stiff-necked, rebellious, grumbling people, remember? And I think he really liked their, that response and he didn't want anyone to see the glory of God fading. So he'd put a veil. So when people would think of Moses, they'd think, oh, he is so spiritual. He is such a godly man. His face glows. He's amazing. You know, I mean, that's, that's kind of that thing. And he had some spiritual insecurities in his life. He liked the reaction he got from them. And it's funny, when I, I think of Old Testament saints, you think of Abraham, and, and he is called the friend of God. He's the father of Israel. But, you know, Abraham wasn't perfect. He lied about who Sarah was at least twice and put her in pretty awkward situation both those times with different kings. Uh, he had sex with Hagar. And he just, you know, God made a promise. God was pretty slow about fulfilling his promise. And so Abraham thought, well, I'll help God out. And uh, the war in the Middle East that we hear about every day on the news is a result of that decision. King David, yeah, he had courage to fight Goliath and win. He was a great king. God even said he's a man after my own heart, but we know he had issues. Adultery, cover-up, bad father. His own son not only tried to dethrone him, but even tried to kill him. Elijah, sure, he took on 450 prophets of Baal and won. But man, when one woman says, you're going to get it, buddy, he is scared spitless. His faith is gone. And then I love this. Samson <laughs> is listed as a hero of the faith. 
in Hebrews chapter 11. Guys, let me just give you a hint. You would never want Samson to be your senior pastor or any pastor on staff, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? That's, he's just, you know, read his story and you're like going, huh, Old Testament heroes of the faith, saints of the Old Testament. But guys, this is what's good about it. I find incredible comfort in studying these things because we tend to have this mindset that godly people always have it all together. And I think the reality is, is that we are also insecure spiritually, just like Moses. And we, a lot of times, want to put a veil on, I think, so that hopefully people, when they think about us, they'll remember maybe a past day where we were walking maybe a little bit uh, more closely with the Lord in our opinion and our perspective. Let me give you some five symptoms I've come up with. And again, this is probably not all of them. I'm not a very deep man. But uh, these are five symptoms of spiritual uh, insecurity, okay? If you're taking notes, just write these five things down. This could be fun. The first one is split values. They're kind of weird names because I don't know. I don't like to use fancy names or I don't know how to like Bruce does. But anyway, uh, some of the words he uses, I don't even know what they mean. Anyway, but that's another story. Anyway, but split values. And what that means is this. We say one thing, or, or worse, if you're a pastor, we teach things, or as a parent to your kids, you say or teach one thing, but you practice another. Um, yeah, it, it's basically hypocrisy. Let's just face it for what it really is. It's hypocrisy. Um, so that's what it is. The word, it's really funny too. The word hypocrite in the Greek language, actually literally what it means is actor. It literally means one who wears a mask. In, interesting, especially in light of what we're talking about today. One who wears a mask or a veil. So... This happened to me, I, I, and I'll just, well, I'll tell you later. I, I was teaching about a little over a year ago, and I'm teaching Youth Wave, and I'm going through the fruits of the Spirit. And if you're covering the fruits of the Spirit, you've got to deal with the deeds of the flesh. And so I'm in the middle of this study, and I had this great point of conflict because I realized, you know, my life right now is probably more characterized by the deeds of the flesh than the fruit of the Spirit. So it's like, this is really a problem. <laughs> I'm teaching this, and it's not true in my life. And I just had to be honest. I said, you know, Lord, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness goodness, self-control. It ain't just oozing out of my life. And more enmities and strife and more of some of the deeds of the flesh seem to be more prevalent. 
I'm spiritually insecure. Split values. A second symptom of spiritual insecurity is false humility. <laughs> I've, I've done this so many times. And not just in the spiritual arena. I'm kind of chubby. See? Um, and I, I didn't used to be. I wrestled at 101 when I was in seventh grade. Uh, my brothers called me Stick. That was their name. Hey, Stick. I had to jump around the shower to get wet because the They'd miss me, the sprays, you know, some. So I wasn't always a chubby man. Um, Ooh, that's weird. I just remembered it. Center Fashion Mall, when I weighed about 147 pounds, I played Santa one year. I (laughs) couldn't figure out why they asked me to be Santa. Anyway, um, now if they asked me, I'd think, it fits. Uh, but, But I can say that about me. But when someone is imitating me in a skit and they put a pillow in their shirt, you know, ouch, you know, it's kind of like, okay, turd. Um, <laughs> or, I, or I could say, you know, um, I'm not the most sensitive man in the world. And I can say that. But when someone says, yeah, I've noticed that. You may want to work on that. So, hey, how are you guys doing? <laughs> we get enough today? <laughs> they count the offerings. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I mean, I can, I can make fun of myself. I can say, yeah, I'm not the most sensitive guy in the world. But when someone agrees with me, it kind of ticks me off. That's false humility. Another symptom of spiritual insecurity is uh, this is is a self-righteous judgmental attitude. And um, enough to say here that if someone has a self-righteous judgmental attitude, they're probably hiding something. The longer that I've been a believer and in ministry, the, you know, the more you learn this. And I'll be honest with you, maybe this is wrong, but legalistic people scare me. I stay far away. Another fourth um, symptom of spiritual insecurity is remoteness. I don't even know if that's a word or not, but um, remoteness, what it means, I mean by that is a person that withdraws from other believers. They get, they're like on a remote island, you know, they're lost on a remote island. That should be a, that'd be a great TV series. But um, anyway, but their, you know, remoteness, they just are all alone. They isolate themselves, withdraw from other believers. They're non-transparent. They're not willing to be real with people because they don't want people to find out who they really are. So they would, you know, they withdraw, they're remote. They pull away. That's, that would just be a classic Veil. Let's veil who we really are. And the last one I could think of is ultra sensitivity. Someone who's very defensive. The walls are up. They read into everything. And that's true, not just being in spiritually insecure people, but in just naturally insecure people. 
You know, you, you know that. I, I hate insecurity, guys. I've been a youth pastor for 30 years, and the stage of life when you're dealing with junior high and high school students, it's just a hard age, and they're changing, and they're trying to figure out who they are, and they're insecure about who they are, and you guys know that. But I hate insecurity. Um, that's why I'm preaching this this morning. Insecurity does so much damage. It isolates people. It's puts up again so many walls, um, people very defensive. They read into everything you say or, or don't say or how you say. I mean, it ever, it's just, you know what I'm talking about. And I've noticed that when people have a, if people confront me on something, if I know, and this is going to sound weird, but if I know that the, they're, that they're not Really, it's what their, their um, frustration or, or concern, that's a good word, their concern is, if I know it's not really legitimate, it never bothers me. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having the heart to share with me. I know that had to be difficult for you. But when they get really close, and the, you know, it's, it's not off base, but they're like shooting near the center, I get ticked and I, I'm like, I get a little irritated, you know? That's spiritual insecurity. And here's, here's the truth. I don't know about you, but I have traces of all of these symptoms in my life. The truth of the matter is I'm spiritually insecure and I believe that most of you are too. And so this morning, I want to give you a big helping of mashed potatoes and grace. Um, not a lot of meat, but boy, it's good, you know? We're all spiritually insecure. So let's admit it. Let's admit it. And let's take the veil off is what I guess my call is. Let's quit trying to hide what's fading away. If, if, if it's fading away, let's be real and honest with ourselves, with the Lord, and with one another about that. Guys, here's the truth, or here's the big question. What is the answer? What is the answer or the remedy for spiritual insecurity? The answer is Christ. Jesus Christ, listen carefully, Jesus Christ is the cure for spiritual insecurity. For both the unbeliever and the believer. Let's talk about for the unbeliever. If you're here this morning or you know people that don't know Jesus Christ, they're not in Christ. They're not in a relationship with him. They are spiritually insecure, and they should be. They should be desperately insecure because when they die, or if I'm talking to you, when you die, you will spend an eternity at one of two places, heaven or hell. And the Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And it says, the wages of sin is death. But then one of the big buts of Scripture, but, 
The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the remedy for spiritual insecurity for the unbeliever. We all know that, most of us. He died on the cross. He took upon himself our sin so we could be forgiven and we could be in a relationship with him and we could spend eternity with him. But guys, for the believer, Christ is also still the cure for spiritual insecurity. The truth is, none of us have arrived. There's not any person here in this world, in this church, that's arrived. Paul says, not that I've attained it, but I keep pressing on. Paul hadn't arrived, Bruce hasn't arrived. You haven't arrived, I haven't arrived. So let's quit acting like we have. Guys, Christ is needed. I, 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 didn't, I really only learned this probably about 10 years ago. And I'm still, to be honest, learning it because God teaches me a truth kind of on an out shallow way and then he teaches me the same truth again about 10, 12 years later in a more intimate way and then about 10 years, 12 years after that, he teaches me the same truth again. He's deepening the truth that I know. It's sinking from my head to my heart and it just, he, the Holy Spirit just keeps itching it, inching it deeper and deeper into the soul of who I am. And that's, that's what I wanna hope oh, I'm talking to this morning is your, your spirit, your heart, your soul. Please don't listen with Sunday school ears or you won't get anything out of this. But listen with your heart this morning. Christ is needed just as much for our sanctification as he was for our salvation. But we don't think that way. We think, well, yeah, Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago so I could be forgiven because he paid the price for my sins. But now it's up to me to live a godly life. It's up to me to be spiritual. Guys, it's impossible for you to be spiritual if the Holy Spirit is not the one living in and through you. If you're doing it in the flesh, congratulations. You're just as spiritual as the scribes and the Pharisees. Welcome. As, I mean, that's just awesome. So we think we... It's up to us to do it, and so we, we keep falling short, and after we keep falling short, and we keep failing over and over and over again, we decide, you know, I think I'll put the veil on. I think I'll put the veil on to cover up what is fading away. And guys, that is the wrong choice. It's the unbiblical choice. The right choice is to fall at God's feet and admit, Lord, I can't do it. I can't live this life you've called me to. You're gonna have to live your life through me or else I'm an utter failure spiritually. 
And guys, that is being walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. That's a life of dependency that God is looking for that vessel that opens himself up. I love that verse that's the Old Testament where it talks about the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. And someone that says, God, I love you with all my heart, but I'm a failure. I'm a loser. But I want to honor you and please you in my life. Come into my life. Live your life through me. I love this. Galatians 3, 3. You don't have to turn there. I'll I'll, I'll quote it word perfectly, but write it in your notes if you're one of them note takers. It says this. I love this. Galatians 3, 3. Are you so foolish? It's, I got to explain. Paul is writing to the Galatians. Galatians started off in faith in Christ and then they fell into um, just due to false teachers in the area, a lot of different false teachers, uh, people saying that uh, you got to do more. You got to do more than, it's more than Christ. You need Christ plus, you know, something else, whatever they were pushing, emotional experiences or keeping the law still and celebrating festivals, whatever it might be. Um, so he says to them in Galatians 3, 3, he says, are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Let me read that again. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? The answer is, of course not. Then why do we tend to live that way? Why do we tend to keep cranking it out in the flesh instead of falling on our face in dependence upon the Lord. Guys, here's the good news. You ready? I told you a big helping of mashed potatoes and grace this morning. Here it is. Are you ready? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to ask you to raise your hands. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and what that means is that you acknowledge that you're a total sinner, that you've sinned against God thousands of times in your thoughts, in your actions, in your motives, in your words, in your actions but you believe that for some reason God loved you enough that he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth about 2,000 years ago for the primary purpose that he would die on a cross and that when he would die on that cross, when he was on that cross, if you believe that he took upon himself your sin, all of them, because the Bible says that Christ took on upon himself the sins of the whole world, that includes yours. And it, he died on the cross. He, he took upon himself the sins and the wages of sin is death and he paid that wage. He paid that price for you. And you're trusting in him and him alone for your salvation. Then you are a child of God. Now, let me tell you what's true about you. Because Christ is the remedy or the cure for spiritual insecurity. And if we understand who Christ is and what he has done for you, if you're his child, you'll start realizing, I don't need to be spiritually insecure. And you'll start living the life in the peace and the freedom that 
is God's original plan. Taken, you're already there. Turn just maybe one page to 2 Corinthians 5. Oh, this is so good. Just soak this up the next few minutes, okay? Just soak this up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He, God the Father, made him, God the Son, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? That we would become the righteousness of God in him. That's crazy truth. That's saying that because Christ has become sin for us on our behalf, that we have the righteousness of God himself in our life if we are in Christ. That's amazing. This is what this means. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ right now, as God the Father right this second is looking down upon you, he sees you as just as righteous as he himself is. That sounds heretical. But that's what the word of God clearly states. We have the righteousness of God in him. You're righteous. Sin's a done deal. Turn over to Colossians real quick. Haven't had enough yet, I can tell. Colossians chapter two. You can't get enough good news, guys. You just can't get enough good news. Colossians chapter two, uh, verse, we'll start verse 13. Colossians two, verse 13. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Okay, stop. Guys, if I had a dead person up here, I know that'd be odd. It'd almost be as odd as Bruce wearing a veil. But anyway, if there was a dead person here and if I were to tickle it, what would it do? I think if I were to punch it as hard as I could in the most sensitive place, what would it do? Nothing. Okay? Because it's what? Dead. Okay. A, a dead person is unresponsive. So we were dead in our transgressions. We were unresponsive to God. Salvation is not our work. He called us. He chose us. While you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, not us, he made you alive together with him. I love this. Having forgiven us all our transgressions. I took four hours this week to study the word all there in the Greek. It means all. <laughs> all. So, but, but here's the point. I know that sounds, this is like theology 101. But again, here's the deal. We don't believe it. We don't live in that truth. We still think God's mad at us. Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He's not mad at us anymore. He's adopted us as his sons and daughters. 
He wants us to crawl up in his lap and say dada or abba. That's the Aramaic word for dada that we use today is abba. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven of all your sins. Sin is no longer an issue. It's been dealt with. It's been paid in full. It's been taken out of the way. I didn't even read the other verse. Verse 14. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of degrees against us, which was hostile towards us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Guys, it's a done deal. And because of that, are you ready? We are complete in Christ. We lack nothing. We have nothing to be spiritually insecure about. Look at verse 10. Go back a few verses. Colossians 2.10. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. He's the head over all rule, all authority. And he says, you're complete. So take off the veil. We don't need a veil. Our righteousness is not dependent upon us. It's his work. And his work is done. In Hebrews, it says that Christ is, catch this, seated at the right hand of the Father. I love that term. He's seated at the right hand of the God, the Father. And it's a picture because you don't sit down till you're done working. When the work is finished, you sit. And Christ has finished the work on the cross. He, to tell us that it is finished, paid in full. Quit pretending to be someone we're not. Christ has made you a saint. Are you perfect? No. But you are perfect in righteousness in his eyes because he's paid your price. Live in the reality of who you are, not who you feel like you are. Rest in the finished work of Christ. Find your security, I beg you, in him. Colossians 3.15, it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your life. Isn't that sweet? God is so awesome. His will is that his peace rules in our life. I want you to just close your eyes here for a second, okay? I want to ask you just a question, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to be done. I'm talking here to believers. Do you rest 
in the finished work of Christ. Are you finding your security in Him or in your own performance? If you're finding it in your own performance, you will utterly fail every time because that will only produce pride in you. Rest in the finished work of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Father, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us that we would think that we can through our own efforts, through our own striving, become acceptable to you. Lord, we confess we are utterly sinful. And the longer we walk with you, the more sinful we realize we are. But I pray that instead of us becoming spiritually insecure with that truth and trying to veil and cover up and wear a mask that we would instead, that we would be honest with you and with one another. We'd fall to your face. We'd beg you to live your life through us, that we would abide in you and allow your life to flow through ours. Father, I pray for anyone here that is spiritually insecure and should be because they don't know you, that even today they would just say, Jesus, I believe you love me for some reason and that you want a relationship with me and that you prove that love for me by your actions. You wrapped yourself in the body of a man and came to this earth and died for me and paid my price. And I accept your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life right this moment. Forgive me of all my sins. Give me your Father's righteousness and start a relationship with me. Adopt me into your family as your son or daughter. Father, for those of us that know you, I pray that our prayer would be that we would have the guts to remove the veil. Father, we pray that the peace of your son, Jesus, would rule in our hearts for your honor and for your glory.